our most gracious Heavenly Father, who created all that is. <clears throat> May thy perfect government soon be established in this universe of pain and suffering. Um, why? Not now, Amy. I'm praying. <clears throat> we thank thee for thy blessings and the bountiful harvest. Um, why? It sounds like you're reading that prayer. I am. Why? I can't remember all these big words unless I read them. See? It's such a pretty prayer. Okay, but do you understand what it means? Am I supposed to know what it means? Yeah. Oh. Amy, would you show me how to pray? Well, just talk to God from your heart. And... I tell you what, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. Amy? Yes? I don't have eyelids. <laughs> well, okay. Um, well, then just bow your head. Okay. Dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. Lord, thank you for everything that you've done for me. Lord, thank you for everything that you've done for me. Um, please help Y learn how to pray. Please help Y learn how to pray. And help my great aunt Edna to start feeling better. And help my great aunt Edna to start feeling better. Why? Yes, Amy? Do you have a great aunt Edna too? No, I don't have a great aunt Edna. Why, you're just repeating everything that I'm saying. That's not how you're supposed to pray. Then how, Amy? How do I pray? Why, do you know what this is here on the fence? Yeah, it's, uh, that's the, why... That's the number H. Oh, letter. Yeah, the letter H. Today's message is brought to you by the letter H. And it stands for have a conversation with God. That's what it is to pray, why? Oh. Yep. Hey, guys. Hey, Pastor Mark. How's it Hi, going this morning? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today, so let's see if we can learn something about how to have a conversation with God. That's good. I want to learn how to talk to God. All can right. you teach me? Let's see if you can find those eyelids. Okay. All right? Come on, I'll help you. Okay. Well, of course, we're in a series called 8 Success Street, and it's all about our lives turning around and being successful. And this, this whole series is geared to help you turn around. You know, it's a brand new year. It's 2008, eight in the Bible. It's a number of new beginnings. And uh, since we want a new beginning, we're, we're looking at, at strategies that will absolutely revolutionize our life. I've already given you three of them. And today we go to the fourth. But just before I get started, let's go back and take a moment, just a real quick moment to review in case maybe you weren't here for the first three or it could just be that, um, you know, we have the headlight effect. I at least have that. You know, when I'm looking at something new, I can forget about what I've learned in the past. So let's just take a moment to review E, of course, stands for empty the trash. Because before you can start building in your life, you know, getting the things that you need to be in your life, you got to get rid of the clutter. So we talked about in the first weekend of the series, it's important to empty the trash. And remember the process of emptying the trash? Number one, you do what? Can you remember? You bag it. That's identifying it. What do you do next? After you bag it, you kick it to the curb. And then number three, you get ready for new possibilities. So my, my prayer is that by this time, You've identified the trash in your life, and you're working it, bagging it, and get, kicking it to the curb. And uh, just just by way of, of remembering, you know, if you still got something that's smelling in your life, don't let it stay there. 
You know, because you, you could have something that's just continually tripping you up, and God will give you the help that you need. But you're the one who has to bag it. You've got to kick it to the curb, and that's when God will come along and help you. And then I invite God into your day. We do that by bringing God's Word, the Bible, into our day. We're in, a, we're in something called Odyssey 08. And uh, we're reading through the Bible together as a church. If you just got here this weekend or if you haven't started yet, it's perfectly okay. You're not helplessly behind. All you have to do is get the one-year Bible or click and get it online. And uh, you can just start with today's reading. And you can read through the Bible in, in a year. And it's just a great thing. By the way, this Wednesday at Powerlines, we're having a Q&A session. Genesis covers about half the history of the re- recorded history of the, of, of the world. And uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of things. So if you've had questions as you're reading through the Bible, just bring them with you on Wednesday night. And we're going we're to have a great time. G, give a piece of yourself away. Give a piece of yourself away to the people you love, to people who can never pay you back, and to the kingdom of God. That's where we were last week. But now we're going to come to what for me is the most difficult one of the series. Because I, I do okay with this one, I do okay with this one, I, I do pretty well with this one, and, and I do okay with the last one that we'll cover next week, but this is the one that gives me trouble. You know, I'm always telling you guys that I'm obsessive-compulsive, and I have ADHD, and I have a short attention span, and I bore very easily. So this is the one that gets me, this have a conversation with God. Because I'm just going to be point-blank honest with you today, I want to tell you that prayer does not come easy for me. For one thing, I'm talking to somebody I can't see. That's a struggle for me. And then beyond that, I'm talking to somebody who does not respond to me audibly. So just just that, and and you know, when you when you tell me to to like go into a room by myself and get on my knees and close my eyes and talk, there's a part of me that struggles with that. But then I struggle with something else too. Growing up in America, I've got some strange ideas about prayer that I picked up from the culture. And uh, I, I still work through some of those sometimes, and maybe you do too. Um, for one thing, being in churches a lot, when I was growing up, I would hear people pray. And, and we would have public prayer where the minister would call on someone to pray in the congregation. Or maybe a minister would pray. And the odd thing is you'd hear this person talking in a normal tone of voice and talking using normal words. And all of a sudden, he would start to pray. And it was like stained glass windows and pipe organs started playing, you know? It's oh, thou God of all creation. And I'm thinking, well, I just heard him talking. He didn't talk like that. So I'm thinking, maybe, is that what prayer is? I mean, you know, you're like having normal conversation, but then when you talk, you like go into these these and thous and all that, which is nothing wrong with that, I guess. You know, I, I have a pastor friend that I, I spoke for for many years, his church. And uh, he's a cut up. He's a kind of a kidder. And one, day, one, one morning before I went on stage to talk at his church, we had been sitting back there, you know, we'd have prayer in his office. And when he prayed, he just talked to God in a normal tone of voice. And he was kind of kidding with me, even all the way up to the front. And then, you know, the organ played and he walked on stage in his church and he assumed this pose, kind of a heavenly gaze. And then he just let out with all these these and thous. It freaked me out. And he caught my gaze, and I guess he could tell that I was struggling with that a little bit. And he said, well, Mark, when I, when, I, when I pray before people, I feel like it's very important that I set God way apart from us. And I'm thinking, is that really what prayer is like? And then I hear people pray sometimes, you know, they talk in a normal tone of voice. Then when they start praying, they, they talk like God is hard of hearing. They're like, yeah, oh, God. I'm thinking, Oof. And then, then I, I can get with some kind of, you know, some Christians, I know they mean well, but it's like they, they just like get in prayer and it's like, man, it's like the little engine that could. They just get rolling and they get rolling and they get, and they get faster and faster and they start repeating things over again. Oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. And it's just like, I'm thinking to myself, whoo, 
Do you struggle with prayer like that? I mean, I'm just being gut level honest with you today. Prayer comes as a challenge for me because of, first of all, talking to somebody I can't see, and then beyond that, a lot of the strange ideas that I, that I got when I was growing up. You know, I, I grew up also in our culture hearing certain prayers that, that people said, and they were good prayers. I mean, I remember things like um, one of the first prayers that I remember was, Now I'll lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I don't guess there's anything really wrong with that prayer, except if you've ever asked Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you don't have to keep asking him to take you to heaven if you die, because he's already settled that a long time ago. But that's, that's for another message. Um, I remember God is good, God is great, let us thank him for our food. You remember that? I, I, used to, I, grew, up in, I grew up in a Christian home and in church, and I'm thankful for that. But I used to pray a lot by habit, and sometimes I would get my prayers mixed up. You ever do that? We used to have a family devotion time, which is a wonderful idea. And so every night I would stop what I was doing and I would, my family would gather together. We would pray. And I remember one night I was, my mind was somewhere else. It was my turn to pray. And before I realized what I was saying, I, was, I said, dear Lord, would you please bless this food? But we didn't have any food. I just. <laughs> there is a prayer that many of us grew up saying. And it's a wonderful prayer. And we know that there's everything right about this prayer because it came from Jesus. And we call this prayer the Lord's Prayer. And many of us recite the Lord's Prayer. And there's, there's nothing wrong with reciting the Lord's Prayer. But there are a couple of things that you need to know before we go into today's message. Number one, the Bible never calls it the Lord's Prayer. Because for one thing, it wasn't the prayer that he prayed personally because it asked God to forgive us our sins. The Lord never sinned. The Bible never calls it the Lord's Prayer. It's okay if you, I call it the Lord's Prayer like you do, but I just want you to know the Bible never calls it the Lord's Prayer. And then secondly, the most important thing that you and I need to understand if we want to have a conversation with God that's truly effective, we need to understand that the Lord's Prayer is not a, it's not a prayer to be recited. It's a pattern to be observed. I mean, let me explain to you, because some of you, like me, we grew up reciting the Lord's Prayer. You go into a church service, you recite the Lord's Prayer. And again, there's nothing really wrong with that. It's just not the point. It would be like if you were grocery shopping and you went down and you found a drink concentrate, you know, where one cup makes a gallon. It would be like drinking the concentrate. Because that, it, it's, it, reciting it is not what the Lord had in mind. Let me, let me explain. When, when Jesus called out his followers... It was very clear to him that he had power that they did not understand. He was able to do things. He was able to engage crowds. He was able to change lives in a way that they they could not comprehend. What they noticed about him is that he often got up very early in the morning, long before daylight, and he went out and he had a time of prayer in which he talked to his father. And before long, his followers were able to connect the dots. They saw what he did privately in his relationship with his father, and they saw what he did publicly with this extraordinary power that they had. And one day his disciples said, the reason why he has this incredible power is the way he prays. And so one day, at a more bold moment, this disciple came to Jesus and he said, Lord, teach us to pray. It's interesting that this disciple didn't say, Lord, teach us to preach, because Jesus was a spellbinder. I mean, he could stand without a sound system and hold crowds of thousands spellbound. And, and, and Jesus, could, he was the greatest public speaker of all time. He knew how to engage a crowd. He knew how to keep a crowd occupied. They could forget that they were hungry when they were listening to him. And yet Jesus 
You know, this disciple didn't say, Lord, teach us to preach. The Lord could heal people. He could touch them, and they were healed of diseases, but he didn't say, Lord, teach us to heal. He said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, what you and I should understand about this is that this this disciple grew up in a very different culture than we do. Because this disciple would have grown up in a culture where these people prayed three hours a day. So it wasn't like he'd never prayed before. I mean, three hours a day, that has most of us beat by 180 minutes. So this guy knew prayer. I mean, he prayed every day. He prayed for a long time every day. So when he was saying, Lord, teach us to pray, it wasn't like he had never prayed before. Let let me explain it this way. Maybe this will help. If you play golf... You know how it is when you're just having one of those really good days. You can just feel it. I mean, as soon as you get your bag out of the car, you can just feel it. It's going to be one of those good days. You know, you're there with a couple of your friends. You're going to to play in a threesome. You're going to go out. And it's like when you get out on the, you know, when you get get on the the range, it's like, man, all your clubs are fine. You're hitting your irons. You're hitting your woods. You know, you go up to the practice green. It's like you're rolling the ball right up there. And it's just like the ball is just like remote control. And it's going right. And you're saying, man, I am going to teach my friends a thing or two about golf today. So here you are on the first tee box. And all of a sudden, Marshall runs up in his little cart. And he says, now, wait a minute, guys. Before you tee off, he said, the course is kind of full today. And, and uh, he said, we've got a single here. And we're going to try to work him in with your group. And so he'll be out in just a few moments. And you're saying, well, great. I'll beat three people. And all of a sudden, you look at the door. And out walks tall, good-looking, thin African-American man with that incredible smile and grin. And you know who it is when he sticks out his hand and says, hi, I'm Tiger Woods. I'll be playing with you today. Let me tell you what would happen. I don't know how well you play, but I do know this. At the end of nine holes, when you came around to the clubhouse, I know what you would say. You would say something like this. I don't know what I've been playing for all these years, but it ain't golf. And that's how that disciple felt when he watched Jesus pray. He was saying, I don't know what I've been doing all these years, but it ain't prayer. And he said, Lord, teach us to pray. And it was at that moment the Lord gave what we call the Lord's Prayer. But as I've already suggested to you today, it's not a prayer to be recited. It's a pattern. Jesus was saying, when you talk to God, these are the kinds of things that you need to talk about. So in getting ready for this message, for my own personal benefit and for your benefit, I begin to analyze the Lord's Prayer and look at what are the subjects that Jesus is giving us to talk about. And I came up with five. So if you have your Bible with you today, this is in Matthew chapter 6. This is one of the occasions in which Jesus gave us this prayer. I'd like for you to just to look at this. And if you don't have your Bibles, and by the way, there's probably one in the, in the pew back in front of you, and then these will also be up on the screen. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus said, pray like this. Notice he didn't say repeat these words. He said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. But rescue us from the evil one. Real quick, here we go. Five things that Jesus is talking about in the prayer that you and I need to think about when we talk to God. If I'm talking to anybody here today and you say, Mark, I pray, I just don't know what to say. I I, I kneel down to pray, and in about 30 seconds, I'm out of stuff to talk about. Jesus is going to give you some stuff to talk about to God. Five things. Here's number one. First thing that Jesus is talking to us about is our relationships. Our relationships. 
I don't know about you, but I know that life can, can make things fuzzy enough that you can get to the end of the day or maybe even wake up in the morning and, and kind of get messed up on relationships. Who do I need to be thinking about? Who do I need to, to value? Who do I need to be afraid of? Those are the things that play with our minds. And when we pray every day, the first thing that the Lord wants us to do is just to get real clear on relationships. Oh, I see that in the, in the words, our Father in heaven. Now, when Jesus prayed, he addressed God as Father. You say, well, duh. We all do. But do you realize that nobody prayed like that until Jesus came into our world? Before Jesus came, people didn't call God Father. They addressed him in, in terms of his name. They, in, in fact, they couldn't even say his name because it was so holy. They, they sort of invented a, a construct where they, could, where they could call God by his holy name. They, they saw God as distant. And yet Jesus came to earth and he prayed, Father. Why? Because Jesus was the natural born son. In John 3, verse 16, the most famous verse in the Bible, what do we read? God loved the world. He sent his only, one and only son. So when Jesus prayed, it was just natural to call God Father. Other people could stand back at a distance and call him Jehovah, or they could stand back at a distance and reference some name that he had been given. But when Jesus came to earth, he just, it was just natural for him to call him Father. In fact, when Jesus used the term it was such a term of endearment. I mean, it would be like our word daddy or papa. You, you may have come across a word in reading the Bible called Abba. That's, what the, that's an Aramaic word that means, ten, it's just a, a very familiar expression. That we, it's just like we would say daddy or pa or dad. And it freaked the translators out so much they didn't know what to do with that because they were afraid to bring over any kind of word that seemed that familiar with God. So they just transliterated and brought it over into our language since that's why you have Abba in the Bible. That's not a group from Sweden from the 70s. I mean, Jesus was a natural-born son of God, so it was just very natural for him to pray, Father. And his followers were standing back looking at that. And, and Jesus said, when you pray, here's what's great. Time out for a moment. When you become a member of God's family, God adopts you into his family. You become God's daughter. You become God's son. What is Jesus teaching us about prayer? He is saying, I'm the natural born son of God, but you can call him daddy too. Because you've been adopted into the family. I love that. But notice, notice the pronoun before father. It's not my father, which would be fine. But Jesus teaches us to pray our Father. Now, here's the problem. Here's the thing. Throughout this whole talk that I'm going to give to you today, one thing that the Lord's Prayer does is it's always pulling us away from selfishness. So what God is helping me do when I get ready to pray, when Jesus said pray like this, the first thing he wants me to know is I'm not the only member of God's family. There are other believers too. So when I pray, what am I supposed to say? Our Father. When I pray, like I say, the Lord's Prayer resets relationships. I'm thinking about who God is. I'm thinking about who we are as the family. And I'm just one member of the family talking to God. It resets relationships. Okay, let's tackle the second thing. This is verse 10. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Second thing we need to talk about is what God is doing in the world. Now, when I'm praying, now listen, this is just Mark talking. I'm just being real straight with you. When I pray, my prayers tend to go something like this. It's like, oh, Lord, and then boom, I want to rush right to what I want. 
Your prayer go like that? There is a place for me telling God what I want, but it's not early in the prayer. Could I say that one more time just to make sure that you didn't miss it? There is a place for me asking God for what I want, but it's not early in my praying. First thing I tackle is relationships. The second thing I tackle is what God is doing in the world. Because what I'm saying is, God, I think I know what I need, but I know that your plan is bigger and you're doing things in the world that are way beyond my comprehension. And what I'd like is I would like for your will to be done in the world the same way it is in heaven. Now, how, what, just what percentage would you think God's will is done in heaven? I'd say it's right near about 100%, wouldn't you? And what I'm praying for is I'm saying, God, in my life, you see, before I ever ask for anything, I'm saying, God, I want your will to be done in my life. All right, let's look at the third thing. Third thing, verse 11, give us today the food we need. So that's where we get to the place where we can talk about our needs. After you've reset the relationships, our Father in heaven, and after we have talked about what God is doing in the world, we come to the place where we say, Lord, these are the needs that I think that I have today. Now, there's one little prepositional phrase that you and I need to refer back to, and it's in the first part of the Lord's Prayer. It's when the Bible says, our Father in heaven. Now, what, we, what we're saying when we say that God is in heaven, what we're admitting to is that God sees things that we can't see. Oftentimes, back up for a moment. How many of you have asked God for something, and you just are sure that you need it? You know, you, you, need, this, you need this job. You just got to have this woman. You just got to have this guy. You know, if you don't marry this person, your life is going to end. How many of us have asked God for something, and then a little while later we're saying, oh, God, thank you, you didn't answer my prayer? <laughs> right? Well, when you pray, our Father in heaven, what you're saying is, Lord, I know that you see things that I don't see. This is why many of us get disillusioned with God, because we're desperately praying that God will answer our prayer when God sees the whole panorama and God sees the future. And God is saying, no, that wouldn't be good. Give us today our needs. Now, you can talk to God about anything you need today. And be honest with God. I mean, think about it, because here's the deal. You say, well, Mark, I just don't want to bother God with anything. The Bible says he knows the numbers of the hairs on your head. He knows when a sparrow falls out of a tree. Trust me, God is not worried about you bringing your stuff to him and overloading him with stuff. Take everything to him. You need healing? Then talk to him about that. You got trouble with a relationship at work? Talk to him about that. You nervous about your kids' new friends? Talk to God about that. You're not sure how you, you know, you, you may have too much month at the end of the money? Then talk to God about that. You're struggling to lose weight? Talk to God about that. You see what I'm saying? You can talk to God about anything. Amen. Because after you have reset the relationships and talked about what God is doing in the world, God is perfectly cool with you talking to him about anything you need. And, and here's the deal. God, it's not, you don't have to pray stained glass language. That's just crazy. I mean, talk to God like you would talk to your father. You can tell him what's on your mind. You can tell him stuff you can't tell anybody else. He wants to hear from you. Number four. Number, verse 12. Forgive us our sins. This is the correct translation. As we have forgiven those who sin against us. I, I reset relationships. I talk about what God is doing in the world. I ask God for what I need. I got to deal with my past. What do I need to do if I'm going to deal with my past? Can I go back and undo it? No. Can't back through a broken glass window. Do, can, I, can I go out and like pay God back for what I've done wrong? No. 
God's not asking me to do that. Jesus did that when he died on the cross. What does God want from me when I do wrong? God wants me to tell him I know I did wrong in no uncertain terms. And here's the deal. Well, you, know, you know, it's so easy for us to recite the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin against us. Okay, did that. Hey, God doesn't want you to drink and concentrate here. I mean, it's time to get honest with God. If you lusted, tell God you lusted. If you lost your temper, tell God you lost your temper. If you said bad words, don't say them again, but tell God you said bad words. God wants you to be straight up about what you've done wrong. Come in before him and say, God, forgive me. Now, I grew up with the King James Version translation of the Bible, and I grew up with the Lord's Prayer with different language, and it, it's an unfortunate translation. I grew up with the prayer saying, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin against us. I sort of got this kind of idea of, okay, I'm forgiving this guy, uh, so now I can go God, ask God to forgive me of this sin. And now it's kind of a one-to-one kind of thing. I forgive, God forgives me. But that's not the words that Jesus used. Jesus said, when you pray, you ask God to forgive you because you have already forgiven all the people who sin against you. Why is that important? I mean, it's important for multiple reasons. Why is it important every day of your life to talk to God about the things that you've done wrong? Number one, it helps you keep short accounts. It helps you get past things. Because here's the deal. If I don't ask God to forgive me of my sin, I might just keep rolling with that sin and the trash might build up. But beyond that, if I go to God and I say to God every day of my life, if I say, Lord, please forgive me for X, Y, and Z because I have already forgiven all the people who sin against me, what happens in my life? I stop living with unforgiveness totally. Because every day of my life, I have to say to God, I've already forgiven the people who sin against me. That's powerful. That's powerful. So when we pray, we reset relationships. We talk about what God is doing in the world. We ask God's will to be done in our lives. The third thing, we can talk to God about our needs. The fourth thing is we talk to God about our past. And here is a big one. And guys, the older I get, the more I learn to really pay attention to this part of the Lord's Prayer. And that's this. We're to pray about future jeopardy. The Lord's Prayer, or prayer, is something to be done in the morning. You know, how many times do we pray those, I should have had a V8 prayers at the end of the day? Oh, Lord, I can't believe I did that again. Oh, I'm sorry for that. Praying is something that should be done early in the day. Because here's the deal. How many of us have have discovered that when you get up in the morning, you don't know what you're going to face? How many of us get up in the morning and expect a day of total normalcy, and by 10 o'clock, our world is upside down? Here's why. There are two things that you face every day in your life that have the potential to mess you up. Same thing for me. Here's the first one just traps. How many of us have discovered that life is filled with traps? Just traps. We live in a broken world. We live in a world that is totally screwed up. From the time that Adam ate the fruit that God told to leave alone and sin was ushered into our world, from day one, our world, the world that you and I live in has been broken in the box and there are traps, there are mines everywhere. I've stepped on a few. I've fallen into a few traps. And I've had to say, boy, I didn't see that coming. The second thing that you and I need to be concerned about is we have a real live enemy. Just as you have a God who loves you, you have an enemy who hates you. The Bible calls him Satan. The Bible calls him Lucifer. He is a fallen angel. He is not the equivalent of God. Never get the idea that, you know, evil and good are equal. And you've been to, you know, philosophy class and you've been taught, well, because there's good, there has to be evil. And all that. That's all. It's a bunch of junk. 
The truth of the matter is there is a God in heaven. He created a bunch of angels. One of them looked in the mirror too long and said, I'm going to be God. God thumped him out of heaven. There were about a third of the angels who went with him, and now they're in our world, and they're spirits. And they hate God, and because you're a God follower, they hate you, and especially Satan. And just as there is a God who loves you and wants to do great things in your life, you have spirit forces who don't like you, and they're going to try to do everything they can to mess you up. Now, what's Jesus teaching us to pray about? Let's look at it one more time. I want you to get the language of the Lord's Prayer, and then we'll see. He said, and don't let us yield to temptation. That means don't let us fall into a trap and rescue us from the evil one. Guys, I got to tell you, I pray this every day. I'm I'm a husband. I'm a dad. I'm a grandpa. I'm a pastor. I'm a friend. And I find myself praying this, not just in the morning, but as I'm driving around, I'm saying, Lord, don't let me fall into a trap. And rescue me. Rescue the people I love from the attack of the enemy. You see what that's all about? It's not a prayer to be recited. That would be like drink and concentrate. It's a pattern. It's Jesus saying, if if you want to have an effective prayer, you don't like yell at God and stained glass and then repeat the same stuff over and over and over again like you're stuck in a loop and can't get out. Jesus is saying, when you talk to God, reset the relationships. Talk about what God is doing in the world and let God know that you're into what he's he's doing. Tell God what you need. Talk to him about your needs. Deal with your past and be concerned about future jeopardy. Now, I've got to hustle here because I'm out of time. I I need to give you three things that can mess your praying up. And I I don't want to go here really, but wouldn't you want me to do this? Because I'm talking to you about how to have an effective prayer life. And if there was something out there, because all of us need a lot of things from God, wouldn't you like to know if there's some stuff that could mess your praying up? There are only three things as far as I know that the Bible talks about that can, that can mess your praying up. And so let me give them to you real quickly. Here's the first one. This is in the book of James chapter 1 verse 6. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Bingo, my, my attention's here. Because I want to receive something from God. What are the people who shouldn't expect to receive anything from God? These are people who, when they pray, they don't have any confidence in God. Maybe they tried to pray once before, and they felt like it, God didn't answer their prayers. So they said, well, I don't have any confidence in God anymore, but I'm going to say a prayer and hope for the best. God is saying that kind of person won't receive anything from God. When you go to God, God wants you to come to him confidently. Confident that he'll work it out his way and his time, but that he is God and he can do what you're asking him to do. So the first thing that can mess your praying up is, is not having confidence in God. Here's the second one. Every person in this room has power over people, whether it's the power of influence or whether it's the power of management. Who has power over us? God. When we pray, what are we asking him to do? We're asking God to use his power to affect our lives. We're saying, God, you have power over us. I'm asking you to use your power for my benefit. So God is inclined to do that unless we abuse the people in our lives over whom we have power. Now, the reason why I know this is in the Bible, in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3, God is talking to husbands. God has given husbands and fathers the responsibility of leading their homes. And here's what God says to men about how they treat their wives. 1 Peter 3, 7. Treat her as you should so that your prayers will not be hindered. Oh, you guys know that's in the Bible? 
He said, well, I'm the head of my house. I'll tell everybody what to do. You know, I can tell my wife. And God is saying, okay, when you pray, boy, I'm going to treat you the way you treat your wife. There's a lot of guys in here who suddenly became better husbands, just like that. My talk next week is called Turn on a Dime. Some of you just turned right there on a dime. Because God is saying, listen, if you have power over people, if you treat them badly, God is saying, I'm going to treat you just the way you treat people who work for you, people over whom you have influence. That can mess your prayer life up. So I want to give you, that's the second one. Here's the third one. This is in James chapter 4, verse 2. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. Okay, this one gets me sometimes. God is saying selfishness will mess your prayers up. And and here's the deal. Please distinguish. God is not saying that if you ask for what you want or need, that, that God's not calling that selfishness because he does want you to ask him for what you need. It's just that he doesn't want you to pray with selfish motives. Let me give you an illustration. I love cake. I, I really, really do. Chocolate cake especially. Suppose I'm praying. I know this is facetious, but just hang with me for a moment. Suppose I'm praying and I'm saying, oh God, I want a big chocolate cake about this big. Thick, rich, sour cream frosting. I want a big cake like this. And God is saying, Mark, why do you want a cake? Because I want to eat it all myself. And God is saying, that'll, that, that'll mess your prayer up. Why? Because I want to consume it all. I'm asking God to give me something so that I can come back and consume it. But let's just say, I go to God and I say, God, I want a big chocolate cake. And God says, Mark, why do you want a chocolate cake? Because I want to eat some of it, but I want to share it with people. Well, God's into that kind of prayer. Do you see what I mean by that illustration? Selfishness will mess your prayer up. But when you go to God and say, God, I'd like to have this. Why do you want to have it? Because I'd I'd enjoy it. I'd like to have it. I'd like for my family to have it. But more than that, I want you to bless me so that I can bless others. God will listen to that kind of prayer. I know it's been like drinking out of a fire hose this morning, but I hope that you never look at the Lord's Prayer the same again. Here's the part that gets me the most. How many of us have a hard time finding somebody to listen to us? I mean, really listen. I know I have trouble with this listening to people because my attention wanders. They say that the average dad listens in a meaningful way to each child for only seconds a day. It is hard to find someone to listen to you. But I want you to think about something. When you pray, the same God who spoke the world into existence, who calls the stars by name, who wrote the code for DNA so that every human being in the world has a different code, that God pulls up a chair to listen to you. And you've got his complete attention. And he can change your world. Many times I find myself talking to people I love very much, but they have no power over what my issues are. But when God pulls up a chair to listen to me, I know that the one who holds the universe together is listening to me with all his attention, and he can change my world. You want a new beginning? Have a conversation with God. Let's do that right now. Let's pray. Father, 
Remind us of the truths we've heard today. Don't let us lose this message. Help us to learn the kind of praying that you want to hear and that you can bless. Go with us as we go our ways this week, but at the same time, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to envision you waiting to hear from us. In Jesus' name, amen. Still praying with me, please. A little while ago, I just threw a line out there. I said, God wants to adopt every one of you into his family. What goes with adopt, being adopted as God's child? Well, first of all, the Bible says forgiveness of sin, living forever, eternal life. God being in our world, in our lives. So that sounds so huge. How, how would you get eternal life? How would you get the presence of God in your life? What would you have to do to get that? And some would say, well, you have to like be very, very good. But then I don't know of any of us who's really that good. The Bible makes it very clear it's a gift. The Bible says it is the gift of God. How do you get a gift? Well, think about this. When a friend hands you a gift, what do you do? You just reach out and receive it. The Bible tells us Jesus, Jesus paid for the gift, not at a cash register someplace or with a card. Jesus paid for the gift with his own blood when he died on the cross. And so all you have to do is ask and receive. And if you've never invited Jesus into your heart and life, I want to give you that chance. This is a prayer. This is the first prayer we pray. If you want to know how a prayer life starts, it starts with this prayer that brings you into God's family. I'm going to pray it. I'm going to pray it from your perspective so that you can pray it with me. So here are some words, and if you mean them from your heart, then God will listen to you. Here we go. God, I know I've done wrong. I believe Jesus came into our world to pay for my sin. I accept him as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me. Make me God's child. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's the first step I'm going to ask you to take. When you came in this morning, you received a worship folder. The part with the H on it is detachable. If you just pray with me to receive Jesus, put your name and address on there, check the box that you prayed to receive Christ. I have a gift for you. It's, uh, it's free. It won't cost you anything. It's got some DVDs in there and some great stuff to help you know how to take your first steps in deepening your relationship with God. If you'll drop this card in the boxes by the back doors or at the bottom of the staircases, I'll mail it to you this week. If you want it now, you don't have to wait. Just attach the card, bring it back to either guest services or New Spring store. You can just give them the card and say, I pray with Mark today, and they'll give it to you, and you can take it home with you and get started following Jesus. I'm so glad you came today. Uh, just a couple of things that I want to share with you. We're starting a new series in, um, in just, a, just a short time uh, called Silence. If you've ever felt that God was not answering you, if you've gone through a hard time and you've wondered where God was, I got to tell you, this series is going to be awesome. We already, we already have a website called godisilent.com. It's huge. 
And um, just some great stuff coming about that. Then I'm starting a new blog. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm co-writing a new blog that's, that's going to be starting next week. It's called markandmaryalice.com. I'm going to be sharing with you a lot of things. When I'm on stage, I have real limited time, and I can't tell you a lot of things I'd like to tell you. And then Mary Alice will be writing as well, so more information about that to come. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward now. It's time for us who are new springers to um, honor the Lord with our tithes and offerings so that God will know that it's more than just words. There are envelopes in the back of the pews in front of you. And uh, so as we get ready to receive the offering, by the way, I know I do this so quickly. Um, I've had people say, I've never seen a minister receive an offering so quickly, but um, I just have so much to say. We kind of pack it in at the end. If we, all, if we go too fast for you to get your offering ready, you can always drop your envelopes in the boxes at the back doors or the, at the bottom of the staircase as well.